You're listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. I'm Callie, a zero-waste activist and public speaker, creator of Bestowed Essentials, a line of eco-friendly home and body products, owner of Hippie Haven Shop, the first refill store in South Dakota, and of course, host of the Hippie Haven podcast. If you're new here, I release an episode every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to this podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. The show notes and full transcript for every episode are available on my website, hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on the website or by following along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop. My goal with this podcast is to arm you with the knowledge and tools you need to spark sustainable change in your community. At the end of today's interview, I'll be sharing two action steps you can take, a beginner step and an advanced step to help fight the climate crisis in your daily life. There's also dozens of past episodes for you to listen and learn on topics ranging from environmental activism to backyard gardening, beekeeping, decluttering, composting, rainwater harvesting, secondhand shopping, starting a zero-waste business, and much more. My guest today is Lindsay Elmore, a pharmacologist and essential oil expert, here to talk about how essential oils are produced, how to use them safely and sustainably, and clearing up the confusion around essential oils with pets, kids, medication, and internal consumption. This episode is made possible by Ritual, a vegan vitamin company made for skeptics by skeptics. They are obsessed with science and transparency, and you can see on their website exactly what ingredients are in their vitamins, why they chose those ingredients, what city they came from, and how much is included. They have daily multivitamins for menstruators, for postmenopause, and for prenatal. I've been taking Ritual daily for over a year, and I absolutely love them and everything they're about, including the fact that Ritual is female-founded, with five of the seven leadership positions in the company filled by women. Order your first bottle with free shipping by visiting hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash ritual. Now for today's episode. All right, Lindsay, tell me about your educational background and how you first got into essential oils. I am a pharmacist and a chemist, so I was always very interested in molecules and how they work. And when I was in pharmacy school, I kind of went on a tangent. I tore my ACL and it introduced me for the first time to chiropractic care as well as acupuncture. And from there, I really started learning and exploring more about herbs, plant-based medicines, about Chinese medicine, and just became very driven and curious about all kinds of natural products. And then fast forward several years, and I kept seeing a friend post on social media that essential oils would change your life. And I Thought that she was absolutely crazy, but ended up getting some essential oils from her, and I had an instant emotional connection to them. It's it, I can't explain it any other way, but from that moment, sitting in my living room floor, just dousing myself in oils, I became driven to learn everything I could about them, and I added that to my database of understanding of medications, herbs, and other self-care practices. And where did you go to school and receive your education? My undergraduate degree is from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. I have a bachelor's in science and chemistry. And then I went to the University of California, San Francisco, 
where I got my farm D and then I did um, two years of postdoctoral training. So after I got my doctor of pharmacy, I did a first year general practice residency at Princeton Baptist Medical Center. And then I did a second year specialty residency at New Hanover Regional Medical Center. And my specialty practice area was in ambulatory care. So while I have taken care of patients in many different areas across the entire healthcare system, my specialty area is in outpatient medicine and the treatment of diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, asthma, COPD, the, the chronic diseases that so many people are riddled with. So let's start with the very basics. What is an essential oil? An essential oil is a communication tool that is used by plants and enjoyed by humans. So essential oils can communicate information within the plant, but it's primary responsibility is to communicate with the outside world. So essential oils that are emitted from plants can give off a very pleasant and attractive aroma that says, hey, pollinators, I'm over here, come pollinate me. It can also serve as a way to protect itself from predation. So it can also give off powerful aromas that say, don't eat me, I am toxic and I will kill you. And so essential oils are a communication method from the plants to the outside world. And essential oils are defined by the fact that they rise rapidly into the air and they bring with it the characteristic aroma of the plant. And humans have been using not only essential oils, but even predating human use of essential oils, humans have been using aromatic plants as a part of our ceremonial practices, our religious practices, spiritual practices, as well as health and beauty practices. How are essential oils produced for human consumption? Well, the first step in production of essential oils is actually just the growth of plants. You must have a robust farming system if you plan to produce essential oils because it takes a substantial amount of plant material in order to produce an essential oil. Once you have your plant material that contains the essential oil, there are four different ways that you can extract essential oils from plants. The most common way is by steam distillation. And steam distillation is where you take plant material, you put it over steam, the steam rises up through the plant material, captures the essential oils, but the essential oils at this point are also tied in with water. It then goes down a condensing coil and this separates the oil from the water. And then you are left with your essence or the floral water or the hydrosol, as some people call it. And then your essential oil floats on top of the water. So that's the primary way. You can also get plant essences out of citrus oils by cold pressing them. So this is basically where you press the entire fruit. You then send the fruit juice that also contains the essential oils into a very high powered centrifuge. And this separates the oils from the juices and the other water soluble materials. You can also resin tap. This is where you have a plant and you cut into the bark 
of this tree, this plant. Um, this is typically done with very few oils. Frankincense, Annika, and myrrh are the three most common. So when you cut into the bark of the plant, this sends a signal to the plant that, hey guys, I'm injured. So as I said, the plant can use essential oils to communicate with itself. And so much as we humans send platelets and other clotting factors to the site of a wound, a frankincense tree will send a sap that contains essential oils. You can collect that sap and then steam distill it to get the essential oil out of it. The final way to get the essential oils out is by absolute extraction, not used very often, but this is where you have to take your plant material, put it with a solvent, and then go through a solvent recovery process after you've extracted the oils. So as you said, essential oils are very heavily concentrated. How safe are they to use for both human uh, and our pets? Humans have been using essential oils for well over 5,000 years, so they are exceedingly safe for human use, and they've also been used on pets. That said, you do have to use some caution and be prudent about how you choose to use essential oils. Your most at-risk populations are going to be young children, especially premature infants when it comes to placing essential oils on the skin. So we want to use a lot of caution. One of the best safety parameters that you can use when you're first trying out essential oils is to dilute the essential oil. Use a carrier oil, something like coconut or jojoba or almond oil, even just plain vegetable oil that you have hanging around your house is a great carrier oil. So dilute your essential oils when you first start using them. Another big safety tip is essential oils are very concentrated. Start with a very low exposure and slowly work your way up. So if you're considering ingesting an essential oil, one drop is great. One bottle could be potentially very hazardous for you. So don't overuse essential oils. Essential oils are not one of those things where if one is good, then a thousand is better. It is not that way. A small amount will take you very, very far. And then if you're thinking about using your essential oils with your pets, there's a couple of general safety tips. Number one, you never want to lock a pet in a confined area with an essential oil. Slowly expose the pet to the essential oils by perhaps applying the oils to yourself and then approaching your animal. If the animal backs off, there is a chance they don't like that oil and that is a-okay. Just as humans have reactions that you can tell from body language if they like a smell or not, observe your pet. The same signs may apply. And if you notice any signs of distress, such as excessive licking, excessive sedation, being too hyper, um, any type of vomiting, of course we want to cease using our essential oils. And there are very special safety precautions for cats, and um, I would encourage anyone who is using essential oils around a cat to use even more caution because essential oils come from plants. Cats are carnivorous animals, so they have not evolved the same metabolism systems as have dogs, horses, humans, because we have an evolutionary history of eating plants 
whereas cats do not. Therefore, you have to use a bit more caution in your cats. And I'm sure different essential oils and different conditions are going to warrant different doses. Are Is there some sort of official standard or guidelines of how much to use of different essential oils for different purposes? There's not. So essential oils, you don't need to think about them like medicines. There is no universal standard. And the reason for that is because each person reacts differently to natural products. To one person, a pine tree may be relaxing and just make them feel safe and secure. Another person can be completely allergic to that same pine tree. So because humans are so individual, there's no one standard of how to use essential oils. But again, my general advice for anybody who's brand new to using oils, use small amounts. Start with one drop on your skin. You may choose to dilute that one drop in some carrier oil. Start with small amounts in a diffuser. You know, right now I'm sitting next to a diffuser that probably has 10 or 12 drops of oil in it. For someone who is brand new, three or four could easily be appropriate. Same thing if you're using your essential oils around sensitive populations. Children, as I said, some special safety precautions for our pets. Elderly people, people who've never been exposed to essential oils, simply use less. And remember that having adverse effects to essential oils is not, you don't have to put up with it. I, I see so many people that they just like grin and bear it. And I'm like, stop, putting an essential oil on your skin should never be uncomfortable. If you experience any redness or rash or itching or anything like along those lines, put some carrier oil on top of it. If you're running a diffuser and it smells too strong for you and you're saying, "Ooh, I'm getting a little woozy or maybe you've got a headache, turn the diffuser off. The great thing about essential oils is they act very fast which means they also stop acting very fast. So if you're having a bad experience with them, adjust your course and try something different next time. And when it comes to consumption, start with very, very small amounts. And essential oils taste very strong. This is great in that you don't want to consume a bunch of these. And so the strong taste can be a deterrent from from accidental ingestion in children or pets. But because of that, you may choose to use something like a capsule to put your essential oil inside the capsule and then swallow it. And again, just start with one or two drops. That's all you really need. How do essential oils interact with prescription drugs? That is a very, very loaded question. So <laughs> not a lot known about how essential oils interact with prescription drugs. We do have some drugs with well-known interactions with our essential oils. So for example, wintergreen essential oil, well-known to have blood thinning potentials. And therefore, if you're taking any medicines that cause blood thinning action, you can have an additive effect, which increases the risk of bleeding. 
We also have essential oils that are very calming and very relaxing. Well, if you're taking any medications that have sedation or in, have tiredness as a, as a side effect, you could again have those additive effects. So there is no great one answer to this question because while we know that essential oils may interact with drug metabolizing enzymes, the extent to which it makes a clinical difference in the administration of medications is relatively unknown. My advice to people who are using essential oils or any natural supplement alongside a medication is, number one, you must talk to your healthcare professionals about this. Get over it if you're scared and you think, oh, they're just going to laugh at me. They're going to tell me that these don't do anything. Go in there with confidence and say, this is my choice. This is what I'm deciding to use. I need you to know so that if we experience any adverse effects, we can have an honest discussion about what might be causing it. So you must talk to your healthcare professional. The second thing is you must know the adverse effects of your medicine. If you're on a diabetes medicine, do you know the signs and symptoms of high blood sugar and low blood sugar? If you're on a blood pressure medicine, do you know the signs of high blood pressure and low blood pressure? This can be taught with any and all medicines. And a good healthcare professional and a good pharmacist will take the time to educate you about what you need to look out for in order to make sure that you're using your medication safely alongside the essential oils. Once you have that information, you know the adverse effects of your medicines and you know what to look out for to know if you are experiencing any of those adverse effects. If you then add in a supplement or an essential oil, your job is simply to monitor for those side effects. If you're on a blood thinning medicine and you start using a wintergreen essential oil and you start noticing some excessive bruising or maybe your nose bleeds out of nowhere, maybe it's a good time to say, hmm, this might be an adverse effect of the combined use of these two products together. So it's all about being reasonable but also being proactive and taking ownership of your own health. Now, you said, you said earlier you were talking about how essential oils require ex like extreme amounts of plant material to produce. So what are the long-term environmental sustainability of essential oils with them taking so many resources to produce? As I said, you have to find a company that has a robust farming system in place. And so if you are looking for what brand of essential oils to use, consider looking for farming methods. Because it's not only farming methods, it is also replanting, reforestation, like really making sure that you're putting back into the earth what you are taking away. You also have to consider the labor that goes into this. There are plenty of unethical essential oil providers that will gladly give you oils that are produced by underpaid workers or by 
by plants that have been sprayed in pesticides their entire life. And so you have to look out for these ethical concerns or as you've stated, we're, we're using a lot of plant material to create the oils. So what are some of the endangered essential oils that, you know, have been too overproduced, uh, you know, harvested, produced right now that we might need to kind of take a pause from using until the sustainability efforts are able to build them back up? I will preface this by saying I am definitely not an expert when it comes to this particular question, but I can guide some people, I can guide your listeners to some information. So we have something called the Lacey Act. So the Lacey Act is is part of what combats trafficking of illegal plants as well as wildlife and fish. And so when you are, again, looking for a company that you're working with, you want to find out what is their Lacey Act compliance standards, because this is what ensures that we are not illegally moving endangered species across boundaries and borders. So a couple of oils that have come up on the radar recently. Um, one is rosewood essential oil. So many people were using rosewood. It is a glorious essential oil. However, the plant is now considered um, at risk. And so it might be a good time to back off the rosewood just a little bit. There's also a fascinating story about the emergence of helichrysum essential oil out of Croatia. So in Croatia, there were people that realized the value of helichrysum essential oil, and they would use bad farming practices to harvest the helichrysum. So helichrysum is a plant that if you cut it, it will come back. If you pull it up by the roots, it's gone. And so people were pulling it up by the roots and therefore killing the plant. And so it was very much putting the sustainability at risk. But there have been companies that have come in with better farming practices, more ethical farming practices, and they have been instrumental in reestablishing helichrysum as a wonderful essential oil that also is sustainable in the field. What places do you recommend for people to obtain pure essential oils, especially like with you just uh, what you just mentioned with compliance with the Lacey Act and sustainable farming practices and that sort of thing? I personally, in my home, choose to use Young Living Essential Oils, and it is, in my opinion, the company that has the strongest commitment to farming practices, as well as a cutting-edge Lacey Act compliance. And so that's my choice, and that's what I use in my home. Now, I know with Young Living, there have been some concerns lately with the... Um, authenticity of their seed to seal certification. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so I have actually been to a number of Young Living Farms and am very close with many of the farm managers. And so I think that, yes, there have been some concerns about some of the farming practices. And I think that that's why Young Living took it upon themselves to create such an amazing Lacey Act compliance 
program. And to me, I can tell you, I've been around Young Living for five years now. And from what I have observed, the farming practices continue to get better and better and better. And the commitments continue to get more transparent, more understandable, more standardizable, so that when you're approaching a farm or approaching someone who is a is a trusted vendor for an essential oil, there's one specific standard that the company's committed to following. Regardless of where somebody decides to purchase their essential oils from, um, how do they ensure that the essential oils aren't full of additives, you know, that they're actually completely pure? It's a tough question because you really don't always know. So you have to trust your nose for one thing. If your nose smells an essential oil and it smells acrid or it smells burned or it smells just off, it's not a good essential oil. We also know that we have to store our essential oils very carefully in order to protect those oils. So if you have a bottle of oil and maybe you accidentally leave the lid off of it or you place it in the sun, you may notice a change in those aromas. And those changes in the aromas are actually the chemical constituents within the essential oil changing. And some of these changes can increase the risk that the essential oil will be will be irritating to the skin or toxic if consumed. So store your essential oils really carefully. Trust your nose when you're picking an essential oil and really do your research. There are so many different essential oil companies out there now that you really want to make sure that you're choosing wisely. Pay attention to the price of the oil. If you're paying $1.99 for an essential oil, it's not going to be high quality and the risk of it being filled with synthetics and fillers is much higher. Also look at the size of the bottle that the essential oil is sold in. Essential oil should be sold in very small bottles. Really, if you get to anything over 15 mLs, it's not going to be a good bottle for you. I honestly prefer 10 or 5 milliliter bottles. You also can pay attention to the type of bottle. You want to make sure that all of your essential oils are either in an amber or a cobalt colored glass because you need to protect them from UV light. So look out, do your research of the company, and then if you're just out and about trying to pick an oil, be sure that you're looking out for how is it packaged, what volume is it, does it smell correct to my nose. What are some of your favorite day-to-day go-to essential oils and how do you use them? Essential oils can go throughout, my goodness, your entire your entire day. So, for example, right now I am running my diffuser and I've got a, a blend going that contains basil and cardamom and rosemary, all very focusing and very, very much helping me to be on point right now. It's kind of like your on point kind of oils. At night, I love to use essential oils that are calming and relaxing. So things like lavender or vetiver or cedar wood. If you are cooking in the kitchen, you might choose to include maybe a citrus oil or a spicy oil like a cinnamon or a clove. And then as I'm cleaning around my house, 
oh man, lemon essential oil is going to help clean up all of the sticky messes that are all throughout the house. And so essential oils can do so much. And I haven't even mentioned a personal care routine, you know, frankincense on the face, up under your moisturizer, use of rose oil or even myrrh on the face. I love to put peppermint essential oil on my tummy after I eat. They are so versatile and can really permeate every area of your life. My last question for you, if somebody is completely new, they've never touched an essential oil in their life, and they, they want to start with just one, what would you recommend? What's the most versatile and easy to use? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I think most people's go-to answer would be lavender. Lavender is easily approachable. It is an oil that whatever you need, just put some lavender on it. You know, um, it can be activating to the mind. It can be relaxing to the mind. It can be, it's beautiful on the skin, very soothing to the skin. It is a great food flavoring and beverage flavoring agent. Um, so it's extremely versatile, but had you asked me a slightly different question, which is if I were on a desert Island, which essentially what would I take forever and always? My answer would totally be peppermint. I absolutely use more peppermint essential oil than any other one. And what is it that you're using peppermint for? Focus, energy, you wake up, maybe maybe you had too much fun with some friends last night, just put a couple drops on the temples, place it on the belly after you eat, take one drop by mouth to just signify, hey, the meal is over, it's time for me to not eat anymore. And it also acts as a liquid air conditioning. So, you know, you and I were talking before we hopped on the pod about how we're both travelers. And I know I have been in such hot, sweaty places on buses crammed in with so many people. Peppermint essential oil, the menthol constituent that is in there actually engages your cold receptors in your skin. And it sends a signal to your brain that, hey, guys, I feel cold. And I love it up under the arms, backs of the knees, behind the neck. It is, it's a wonderful, wonderful essential oil. But really, they all are. Yeah, I can definitely attest to peppermint's cooling effects. Before I knew what I was doing and how to use essential oils safely, I added way too much peppermint oil, uh, essential oil to a bath. And it completely numbed my back. It was the strangest, like, tingly, cooling sensation. It felt very, very uncomfortable. My back was just, it felt frozen cold. It was the strangest it, thing. It is, it is the most bizarre feeling when you get too much peppermint oil into a bath and you're simultaneously hot and cold. Like, your brain does not, it's like, does not compute. I know exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. My brain didn't understand it because the bath water was hot. And so other parts of my skin could feel the heat. And then my back was just like frozen cold. And my brain was like, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. Oh my gosh. I know exactly what you're talking about for sure. Now it's time to take action. If you use essential oils at all, whether that's in a diffuser, in your beauty or cleaning products, or however else, reconsider what you're using them for and how much you're using. 
Like Lindsay said, a little goes a long way, so you might only need to use a few drops at most, or maybe you don't even really need to use them as often as you do. Consider buying more unscented products. If you use essential oils for stress relief, you can try other solutions instead, such as yoga, meditation, journaling, and or exercising. Make sure that you definitely aren't using any essential oils from endangered plant species. These include, but are not limited to, frankincense, Japanese cypress, sandalwood, atlas cedarwood, bay laurel, Moroccan juniper, rosewood, vanilla, and palo santo. When you do buy essential oils or products that contain them, try to get organic, fair trade essential oils. And last but not least, see if there are any local farms, distillers, and or suppliers near you that you can purchase from to reduce the carbon emissions of transportation. I'll be back next week with my 13-year-old sister, Brooklyn, to talk about her recent decision to become vegan and what that's like as a teenager. If you know someone who'd enjoy the Hippie Haven podcast, share it with them or on social media. If you post on Instagram, don't forget to tag and follow me at Hippie Haven Shop. This podcast is produced with the help of my community manager, Kelly, who also runs our Hippie Haven Facebook group. Please support the work we do by leaving a review for the podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash hippie haven to support the work we do with just $4. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you have a great rest of your day.